Hello, I'm Grongi Maguire and this is Chantelle Fiduch and Pate. Hello. We bonded over our love of reminiscing about weird celebrity couples. The ones no one would believe happened if Google wasn't there to back it up. We want you to join us as we remember when love was young, times were simpler, and we really thought that Angelina and Billy Bob Thornton were going to make it. Every week we're joined by a celebrity guest to discuss the showbiz romance they never got over. So take our hand and stroll down memory lane with us as we remember the the way they were. Happy New Year, Chantelle. <laughs> Happy New Year, Gronya. How are you? Welcome to 2023. You know what? I love it. Yeah? I love 2023 already. I think she's, I'm calling it, she's a girl's girl. <laughs> she's a girly girl. What do you think she's going to hold for you this year? I think she's going to have really good advice on accessories. I think mm-hmm. she's going to have a really good hot take on certain TV shows we should all be watching. And... I think she is going to be a bit of a messy drunk. Hopefully the messy drunk really comes through in about a month and a half because the Oscars are coming up around then. So (laughs) I could do with some messy drunks then. Hopefully we'll be watching it together again this year. So in my mind, New Year's, all New Year's means to me is a countdown to the Oscars. The game is on. It's afoot. We're in there. We're in the moment. It's happening. Will you ever feel as alive as we all felt in that room watching... That was more important than any episode we'll ever record. Oh my <laughs> I was watching Will Smith and Chris Rock. Feels so long ago now. Who knows how they'll top it this year? Only six or seven weeks to go and then we'll find out. Well, I'll tell you what. Speaking of how can something incredible be topped? This, our guest, she genuinely is... You know, we say, we, you know, you know us, we love, we love compliments. We love, we love blowing a bit of smoke up people's bottoms. But this, our, our guest, she genuinely is, if anything, we're underselling her by calling her an absolute legend of the UK comedy scene. She Indeed. is genuinely one of the best comedians in the country. She's just a class act, genuinely. If you see her, if she's in a comedy club near you, or if you're an up in Edinburgh, and you're like, who is guaranteed to be putting on an incredible hour of like... Immac- this is the one. Immaculate stand-up. We basically, we were, so, weren't we dying before she came on? It was a bit, yeah, you, you might be able to sense in the opening few beats of this episode <laughs> that Grania and I are both a bit starstruck. <laughs> we're, we're like, hi, do you know our names? Oh my God. And so when she mentions that she listened oh to the episodes God. before, I was like, oh my God, which ones was it? How much of a dork were we? And I was, like, I was so like worried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was this was a big deal for both of us. I think this was legendary status. So we to bring in the new year, we have given you the ab- absolute gift of an episode with the legendary Joe Caulfield. The, the way, way they, they were. Hi, Joe. Hi, Joe. <laughs> we're so on. We're so excited that you're on our podcast. Well, I'm so excited because it's very much my kind of a podcast. I love it. Oh. Yeah. That is a lot coming from a living legend such as yourself. This is a big moment for both of us. <laughs> so I'm very, I'm serious. This is a big moment. That's yeah, why I yeah, dressed yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> Get a best fur on. I, I love do. The fur. Yeah. Which of course is great for this being an audio medium <laughs> for the <laughs> listeners to hear about this. Anyways, how are you, Joe? I am uh, very good, apart from a mice infestation. But other than that, 
I'm coping with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are, we like to consider ourselves yeah. a very romantic podcast. Whatever yeah. that means. Everybody's got their own definition of romance. Do you consider yourself a romantic person? With the caveat of my own definition. Yeah. Yes. Because what answer. I really hate are cliched romantic gestures where you go, that means nothing. You could do that for anybody. Like I yeah. had um, uh, somebody I went out with for my birthday, got all the singles from the year I was born for the whole year, mm, okay. uh, which was a lovely thing, except that I knew because he told me that he'd done that for his previous girlfriend. <gasps> oh, no. oh, my God. So I, remember, oh my I remember him goodness. giving it to me and just going, you're a sociopath. You told me about two months ago that you did this for your ex-girlfriend. Oh, my God. So you my can't God. do it again. Oh the trick's God. over. I can't believe that. Did you last much longer or was that the end? Did you dump him no. there? No. And <laughs> uh, he dumped me by letter. He dumped you? Yeah, you he dumped around. me. Yeah, he dumped me. Uh, he was older than me and bald. Uh, and he dumped me. And I had bought him... <laughs> A lint debobbler thing. Nice. Yeah. Because he had a cat and I sent it to him. He he dumped me by letter. I read the letter and so and I wrapped up the debobbler lint thing in a fuck you way. <laughs> fuck you. I'm sending this to you. And then he was like, Oh, that's so sweet of you, and you've taken it so well, and that's so lovely that we're going to be friends. And I was like, he didn't get the fuck you from yeah, the lint exactly. debobbler. <laughs> Don't think fondly of me, you bastard. <laughs> doesn't come across when you send someone a nice gift i wonder if he always dumped all his exes by letter as well this is this is what well, he does yeah. was it like did you at least get a dear joe or was it dear person dear, yeah, dear person who i've done the same things that i do with all of my ladies yeah no it was a dear joe so i would say i'm romantic and i like but I like it to be more thoughtful, like, mm -hmm. well, with our present mouse infestation, husband and I both equally terrified and jumping around and screaming like it's a Tom and Jerry cartoon and just hitting them with brooms to try oh. to get them to go back into oh, their holes. God. And then I went into the kitchen again and started screaming because I saw another one. <gasps> and my husband, who is as scared as I am, went, no, you go out. And then tried to deal with it, but I had to go in because I could tell it wasn't working. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the counts. We needed both of us with brooms, but I thought, well, that's really romantic. That it's also making me laugh, but you're being genuinely brave and you're not very brave. <laughs> doing that's that. romance. And that's romantic that you're not, you know, that it's not like a really hideous thing. So I think romantic things or doing just something thoughtful, like... He might go, oh, I will, he goes, oh, if you're going up time, look in the window of Zara. I saw a jacket that I think you'll like. And t nine times oh out of ten, he'll be right. And I'll go, I do like that jacket. And I bought it. That is next. That's elite. Wow. You've really hit the, you've hit the jackpot here. That's this what, is something for us all to live up to and try to work towards. <laughs> I think that's how you should sell like long-term relationships. Eventually, yeah. if yeah. you're lucky enough, they'll be really good at spotting outfits that will suit you. Yeah, just because you've been together for so long, oh, <laughs> and he goes, "I've seen sweet. her wear that before. Maybe that's what it is." Yeah, <laughs> yes, it is another coat for your yeah. style, right? <laughs> well, speaking of stylish couples, Joe, mm. and now obviously Chantel doesn't know who we're talking about yet. Yeah, but I think it's safe to say the couple you've picked 
Very stylish. Very yeah. stylish. Chantal, we okay. can tell you that. We can also give you a few more clues. We can tell you the couple Joe has picked got together in the sexy year of 1974. Okay. So let's picture the scene. Again, we're not saying these events influenced the couple getting together, but we don't know that they didn't. So 1974, Nixon resigns after the Watergate scandal. George Foreman and Muhammad Ali rumble in the jungle and the Godfather is on our screens making us all an offer we can't refuse. But that's not all that was happening because (laughs) picture this. One way or another, these kids found, even though oh, they were in love. Oh, it's um, it's uh, Patty, fucking Patty's Patty Smith. No, no, Chrissy Hines. Oh, no. Do you want me oh, to continue, continue on happened. with the with the clue? One way or another, these I kids found is. out there was nothing as fragile as a heart of glass. Oh, oh, I was thinking of exactly the wrong people. Oh, it's Debbie Harry and um and what's his name? The the yeah. bassist, the other guy. The other guy that That's knows. the problem. Things <laughs> forward. I think I know who I'm gonna say won the split. The one whose name we can remember. <laughs> Debbie Harry and her sweet little geeky boy named Chris Stein. Chris Stein. Good old Chris Stein. What a wonderful choice, Joe. I love this choice. Thank you. So, Joe, why was this the couple that you wanted to talk about? Well, the thing that made me think about them was a documentary, and I can't remember what the documentary was, but it was just this scene of Debbie Harry getting out of a people carrier in the countryside outside of New York. Chris Stein was there with his sensible-looking wife and their two young children, and they were greeting Debbie because Debbie was coming for Christmas with Chris Stein and his sensible-looking wife and children uh, because she's godmother to their children. And I just thought, oh, there's a whole world there. How does the sensible-looking wife feel about this? (laughs) Yes. And then it made me think about their relationship and that they were and are still best of friends, love each other forever. Mm. And the sensible wife just has to put up with that. Stop. She's just <laughs> trying to be okay with it. it's a very romantic relationship because they are each other's one and only forever. But too, kind of too much happened that they couldn't go on and that they look so cool. And some of the best photos of her are ones he took when they were poor and had nothing and just living in these terrible apartments, but look, not apartments, they're not even apartments in New York then, are they? That one room where you've got a bathtub in the kitchen. But they look really cool for photographs. Yeah. (laughs) You know, they just look amazing, all those shots around sort of New York when it was all falling down. So it's post-hippie era. It's past the sort of, the you know, the folk singers and everybody that was in New York like in the 60s. It really is, you know, full of rubbish and, and people are going, fuck New York, let them, you know, live in shit. And all the crazy punks are around just sort of before punk, but the New York dolls, everybody's going mad for heroin because they don't really they don't really know what it is yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of quite. Um, so I think they're around at a very exciting time with some great clothes and images. It's just like Indeed. New York pre like, oh, heroin is bad pre AIDS. <laughs> Yeah. Where it's just like, 
everything oh. kind of goes. We're just, you know, just and everyone was living really cheaply. And I suppose that's what I also like about it, because it reminds me of when I moved to London uh, in the early 80s, when London was like was cheap like that. And I lived in what was a legal squat. That's what they were called. There was always some way of getting money and people weren't worried about drugs because they weren't very worried. And also expensive drugs you couldn't afford, but other things um, people weren't worried because, again, not enough people had really died that much yet. <laughs> that much. <laughs> <laughs> you got to bake a few eggs, come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we do a deep dive, what we yeah. like to do is, because we're a very scientific podcast, we think it's very important to consult the astrological chances of a match like this working. So, Debbie Harry, July 1st, she's a Cancer, Cancer Queen. Chris, January 5th, Capricorn. So, Joe, according to their star signs, hmm. what percentage does a match like this have, do you think, of working out? I'm just suddenly, you know, when you go, oh, I don't know any Capricorns. What does that mean about my <gasps> friendships? Wow. Uh, I do know some Cancers. Or am I muddling them up with Leos who are very ambitious? I think the Cancer kills the Capricorn. I think they don't have a good chance. 20%. Oh, 20%. she is going low. Yikes. Okay. What do you think, Chantel? Well, Joe seems to really know what she's talking about astrologically, so I feel I feel it'd be remiss of me to to go against her. So um, I'm just I'm actually going to go lower. I'm really going to stick to her and say I'm going to say eight percent. Okay, okay. Well, this is scientific. You can't argue with planets. Cancer, Debbie, Harry, and Capricorn. Chris are opposing signs and there is a strong attraction between them. When they get together, a passion awakens and they both become perfect lovers for one oh. another. The patience of Capricorn, Chris, has for mm. their partner something Cancer Debbie really needs to relax and start feeling sexual. The intimacy that Cancer Debbie can create is exactly compatible with what a Capricorn lacks. Compatibility, ninety nine percent. Wow! No. Oh my goodness! Wrong. Oh my goodness! And, and I wonder. feel that's how they were, when and they how were they still together. are in many ways. Yes. Wowzers! This that's wow. got to be the highest we've had. We've never that's had higher than ninety nine. Highest we've had. Wow! The science says yes. Science says yes. Here we are. Maybe considering all that they went through, the fact that they're still care so yeah. much about each other let alone still have each other's email is a testament to how compatible they really are i think so because they did go through a hell of a lot well speaking so, of let's get in yeah let's have a look at their relationship cv before they meet each other so debbie grew up in new jersey so she was adopted she was told when she was four she was adopted but she came from a very sort of loving stable home it seems like she got on really well with her parents but there was that sort of core wound there about sort of fear of being abandoned that she said it was kind of with her for the rest of her life mm -hmm. chris he was born in brooklyn but his dad died when he was 16 Oh, so, I didn't know that. Yeah. Ah. So he's, he'd be very close to his mother, but his hmm. dad died when he was 16. Yikes. That's why he's one of those nice guys who's good with women yeah. and likes women. Yeah, mm. he likes his mother. And, and Debbie got on really well with his mother as well. 
It was a good sign. (laughs) (laughs) So although they officially met in 1974, there's a caveat, a little prologue, because in 1969, Chris had a dream where he was on a bus and he saw in his dream Debbie and she said in his dream, I'll meet you in the city. As in he actually saw Debbie Harry or he saw saw a girl that looks like... No, no, no. He saw Debbie Harry. Was she already Harry. famous or something? No, this is like 69. He just saw a girl. What? I love this. I mean, I don't believe it, but I love it. <laughs> How cool is that? I'll meet you in the city. Yeah. So that's the prologue. So Debbie, sort of growing up, had lots of different relationships. She said that she had quite a few relationships as a teenager with other women, but she says that was more a phase than anything else. Her main relationship before she meets Chris is with this house painter from New Jersey, but he was really controlling. So she broke up with them and then he basically started stalking her. And I think so she she moved to New York and she was sort of kind of on the folk scene. And then she was like, oh my God, this is not working. She was kind of fed up. So she kind of cosplayed being a New Jersey housewife, basically. And then was like, "Mm -mm, not going to happen. Another sort of bad... I'm going to say romantic experience, but it de- it definitely involves a man, was when she did move to New York, it was around this time that she was nearly abducted and killed by Ted Bundy. Yes. Oh, yes, I, did. <laughs> I knew that. Yes. Tell our listeners about that, as I've heard that before. So she was, there's this party that she was invited to, because of course it's Debbie Harry, it's like early 70s, you know, but uh, she was wearing these really big, uncomfortable shoes and she's like oh my god this is such a disaster why did I do this so she's walking along clump 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 and then her shoes are too uncomfortable so she takes them off but it's New York in the 70s so there's like glass everywhere clump Mm. clump clump and then this car keeps sort of circling circling and then eventually he's like do you want to get in she's like no go away and then she's like okay fine so she gets in and she says she can just smell danger it was just like really harsh. It was really claustrophobic. And then when they were driving along, she saw that there was no door opener, like from the <gasps> inside. And that the whole car was sort of like adapted to there was sort of no way of escaping. Oh and then God. she started panicking. She's like, oh my God. But she was able to put her hand through the window and roll the window down from the outside. And she jumped out. Wow. Yeah. How did she find out it was Ted Bundy? She just saw his well, picture and she, went, that's the guy. Then she And then she went to the party and the party was over. Oh, always yeah, she was more annoyed about that, it seems. <laughs> you would. That she'd done, gone through all of that and then the party was over. You've no one to tell about this amazing event, my God. Yeah, and they said that, that Ted Bundy was somewhere else in the country, but she still believes that it was him because he was quite a good-looking guy and seemed to be exactly like him. But I'm sure there was just loads of creepy blokes. There's loads of just know. creepy dudes hanging around, yeah. yeah. So. so, but they finally meet in the non-celestial form. In 1974, so Debbie is, she's just, she's joined a group, but it's not Blondie yet. She's on stage with two other girls. Hollywood Lawn, the Andy Warhol factory superstar, is doing her lights for the evening. Just if Mm -hmm. you want to set the scene of like the vibe, the place Debbie was in at the moment. She's doing this gig, Hollywood Lawn, factory superstar, it's just her techie for the night. She's on stage. She's really nervous. She's got stage fright. And then I'm going to quote Debbie Harry here. I couldn't look at anybody in the audience, but there was this person in semi-darkness. I couldn't see him, but I could feel him in the room looking at me. 
It sounds crazy singing songs to a silhouette, but I couldn't look anywhere else. I was drawn to him as if by a magnet. It was a real psychic connection. Oh my God, I love it. Oh, have yeah. you ever had that on stage, Joe? Have you, have you ever been performing a gig and had a silhouette in the audience <laughs> and telling all your jokes to and only they get it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, this is just for you, just for you. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't know if, if uh, I don't know if I believe those kind of things. Yeah, I don't think I do. But I love the fact that She's in room and she can't look at people when you go, but you've walked around with that face all your life. I know. You know, I mean, it, it, that's the thing about her. It's not just good looking. It's like you would, it's a double take face, isn't it? It's like, yeah. oh my God, how can anyone's face be that amazing? Maybe but that's why not, then. She's, yeah, she's, she's, been, she's been looked at so much that she herself was uncomfortable looking at other people. She's always been stared at because of that face. So it makes her self-conscious. Yeah, and she's still know. not used to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is how Chris describes seeing her for the first time. When I first met Debbie, I just thought she was really fantastic. Musically. <laughs> musically. Yeah. I think I just saw what a lot of other people saw later on. She was very charismatic and beautiful and all that stuff. Yeah. This is a terrific gal. This is what's lovely about him is that he sees more in Debbie doesn't he? Yeah. So he sees the whole thing and the kind of edginess about her because, you know, she could have gone a much easier direction in life, but she doesn't. She's hanging out in a literally, CBGVs used to say, had sh dog shit on the floor. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. not where the beauty queens are hanging out, is it? <laughs> yeah. So he was, so she went to the dressing room area, which was a stairwell. And this is where she meets him properly for the first time. And she said he was there with his girlfriend. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. And her name was Elvira. Wow. Oh, that's a, that's wow. a tough girlfriend to have to, to get rid of. My goodness. I want to hear about Elvira. So she used to go out with like a drummer in one of the other punk bands. So Debbie knew Elvira. And she said they were kind of like in matching outfits. And that Chris had long hair and coal around his eyes. And she said she was really embarrassed because she was wearing a long V-neck sweater and a white skirt. And she thought she looked like she should be going to a suburban cocktail party. <gasps> yeah, that's oh. embarrassing. I feel her pain. Yeah, yeah. So Elvira was all there. dolled up mm. in cool clothes. And her yeah. name's Elvira. That's tough. Yeah, yeah. And you're going, I'm Debbie. And I'm yeah, in my, I am Debbie. My mother's I'm in clothes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sounds Debs. So, luckily enough, the very next day, he replaced her bass player. <gasps> Just by chance. This is well, I think they needed a bass player. And he was like, oh, do you remember I met you last night? And they were yeah. like, okay, cool. Oh, my God, uh -huh. I'll play bass for this really, really hot, beautiful woman. <laughs> I know, right? Who lives like this? <laughs> what? The next day. This is bonkers. Oh, my God. Great stuff. Go on. So within 24 hours, they're in a band. They're in a band together. Remember, yeah. they haven't quite... This isn't Blondie yet. They're about to form Blondie, but this was like... It had a bad name, didn't it? Something and Snakes or Snakes and Yeah, they, they go, it was Yeah, Apple and the Snakes or Angel and the Snake. I think that was it. Oh, actually, I quite like that now. Yeah, Angel <laughs> and the Snake. Yeah. Well, they sadly didn't last long, but they became friends. They just decided to just be friends and they just really got on and they're just, you know, just having a great time. And then, but her ex-boyfriend, the house decoration from New Jersey, he's still oh. hassling her and he's ringing oh, her up no. and he's ringing her friends up. He's being an absolute nightmare. And then one oh. day he rings up her house. 
Chris answers and is basically <gasps> just like, leave her alone. She's not interested. It's over. And that was the night they got together. Oh, oh yeah. my goodness. What a hero. See? What a, what hero. a hero. Protected so- her. She's like, this man is useful as well as being <laughs> lovely. Yeah. And it seems from all, you know, all the interviews is that she was like so gorgeous and like mm. so sexy and and confident, just like a huge personality. And he seemed very happy. He loved that about her and he seemed yes. very happy for her to be the star. And he, he, it, I, he never seemed to get threatened or there was none of that like macho mm. attitude you sort of expect from that music scene at the time. Yeah, I think that, I mean, to me, that's what makes him really attractive to her. And and also that he he brings he brings out the best in her as well, doesn't he? So then she knows, oh, this is, I'm going to be singing and I'm, I'm, I'm creative and he values me as, as well as, you know, the fact that I'm really hot and cool. But it, also he's cool as well, you know, yeah. like in the terms of things he dresses, that, you know, that they influence each other. But I think it's that thing, like exactly that, isn't it, of going... Oh, he really, really sees me and he's going to make, I'm going to be the best person with him. It's what we all want, isn't it, ladies? It's what we it's all, what we all want, want, just to be appreciated. Yes. But Joe, your partner, he's fantastic for, like, at Edinburgh, you know, he's so good. He's always, like, going to see people's shows and, like, do you, how does he feel about you having... Your yeah, moment? not, well, that thing of not, not being remotely... Um, he well I suppose this this is kind of putting me down now but he says because uh, he's very funny but wouldn't he said oh I wouldn't ever go on stage to be funny that's like being a clown I don't want to perform <laughs> for people like in that sort of desperate clown way and I went oh well luckily I do <laughs> I am a desperate clown but yeah he would have no interest in it but he yeah but he's very proud of me and yeah and completely People to be jealous of the person you're with is a terrible thing. Oh, awful, yeah. yeah. Also, I can imagine lots of boys, not necessarily jealous of someone like Debbie, but just threatened by it, like you yeah. said, Grania. And he seemed to be very cool with it. He was never trying to quiet her down or anything, you know. He's trying to build her up. This is what Debbie says about their relationship at that time. She said, we formed a respectful, psychic trusting mm-hmm. partnership and a great understanding for each other we had similar tastes and where our tastes differed we usually found a way for those divergences to mesh in a creative way oh. wowzers these two yeah. yeah just absolutely made i'm for sad each other. to see them break up i'm already upset about it because <laughs> yeah. they're so in tune and he's, he makes her laugh doesn't she has he Why she made just him make it laugh work? So he loves, so Chris loves photography and he's the one who takes those early iconic images of Debbie. Just looking cool, yeah. This is what she says about being photographed by Chris. She said, I had a good face, but I was always unsure of my body. Chris made me feel better. He had these voyeuristic leanings, staring at me fixedly for hours in the heat of the lights as I posed as sexily as I could to get him going. But he didn't need any help in getting going. He was already going. Chris and I would always end up in bed after a shoot. Oh, nice. Mm. I like it, Debbie. Chris, you animal. Yeah. How nice is that? Just being made to feel more and more and more attractive. Mm. Oh, my goodness. So at this stage, they form sort of what we, we now know as Blondie. Their big break was they supported Iggy Pop and David Bowie on like a big US tour. Which I think is quite an interesting view of like what it's like to be the girlfriend 
of Debbie Harry. She said uh, one time she she gave David Bowie and Iggy some cocaine because she was like, I didn't really like cocaine at the time. They wanted cocaine. So I was like, oh, here, have some cocaine. And David Bowie got so hyper on the cocaine. I think that's I think that's what the kids say. He got hyper on cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> he, got, he got drunk on his coke, man. <laughs> he got so hyper on cocaine. He got his penis out. And at that exact moment, Chris walked in. <laughs> What is this whole backstage scene for this whole tour? My goodness. But she's very casual about that, isn't she? She yeah. says she thought it was funny. Yeah. She goes, oh, and everybody, and I didn't know this. Everybody knew that David Bowie was very large <laughs> and he liked to get it out to show people. He and, has uh, and she just said, oh, it was just kind of sweet and cool and sexy and funny. But to her, I think she feels like she's just, she's one of the boys. Totally. Yeah. So it's not to her like a threatening thing. Somebody else would go, oh, my God, then he got his cock out. And I was outraged. She's just like, oh, he got his cock out. But, you know, I think he, what did she say? Like I was the, she says I was the cock monitor or something oh, yeah, like that. The uh, cock checker. The cock checker. Oh, <laughs> great job to be in the 70s. My God. So what I like to do is at this point, we like mm. to imagine, right, we have a, a mobile phone that's not just a mobile phone it's also a time machine mm. so imagine ring ring it's debbie and chris now either it can be in london or new york but let's say it's 1977 let's say oh good year um, good year they are heading for a night out on the town they've invited mm. you along what do you imagine oh a God. night out with debbie harry and chris time being like <gasps> oh my god i really hope i'm wearing something i like yeah, you want to be the worst thing, wouldn't it? You want to be the, the Elvira, whole... not the Debbie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I really thought about what I'm wearing, and then Debbie always seems to me she always seems to come across as very like she likes other ladies, and and silly and uh, a laugh, and uh, so we would drink. We would mostly be drinking. I think mm -hmm. Chris has had a joint before we came out. Mm -hmm. um, so he's a little stoned, but he really is more about that me and Debbie have a good time. So yeah. then we're going to go somewhere, see some music. So they've heard about one band. We're going to see them. And then we will go to CBGB's after that. Of course. Oh, uh, see other friends. See that because then all our other, and I get introduced to all of her other friends, probably Patty Smith's there as well. Definitely. And then, we, then we have a great time. And Chris is Lou not. Reed's hanging around. Yes. And, and Chris does the great thing of not really involving himself in mine and Debbie's night out. It's yeah. letting the girls have their fun. He just buys all the drinks. Yeah. And then Cosmic we'll go Joe, to... do you want the same again? Yeah, that's it. Just going yeah. with drinks and then going, oh, you must be hungry now. And we go, we are really hungry. And we're oh. going to go to a diner and uh, and have some food where they also obviously still serve alcohol. Silly about sort of three, four in the morning. And then we'll walk home through New York. Oh. Um, I've got a question. Mm. At what stage does Andy Warhol arrive? Yeah. It's very oh, important. yeah. Early. Wasn't he? He was an early to bed man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So probably the first band, maybe that's where Andy said, I'll go and see them and I'll meet them and we'll have a cocktail yeah. with Andy. But he's got to get back to his mother, hasn't he? <laughs> We've had that weird life where he would actually go back to his ancient mother. Um, so we'll see him early. That's true. But there will be some of the other factory people hanging around like Candy oh, Darling and people. Of course. Come around. Yeah, that's a good That's a good call. I'd like them to be there too. <gasps> Sorry, the one person I do want to be there at CBGB's when we get there is 
is David Johansson from the New York Dolls. <gasps> yeah, from New York Dolls, of course. So sexy and cool. And also, I he said one of the funniest things and coolest things I've ever heard. Like when he was older, he'd done some films and he was mm-hmm. called in they said, for an audition and they gave him a script and they said, oh, we just want to read this, see how you'd act it. And he went, no. <laughs> and they went, well, we just want to see. And he went, you know what I am? No. And they went, well, it's just to see if you can act. He went, no, you fucking act. <laughs> And walked out of the room. And I thought, he's absolutely right. It's David Johansson. You know what he's going to give you. He's going to give you that. So he has such a great voice as well. You could have hung out with that amazing voice of his. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, Um, what a night. What a great night. Thank you for that. I loved it. Oh, God. The rest of our nights are going to be so rubbish now. (laughs) No matter what any of us do tonight, I'm just going to be thinking of Joe's night with Chris and Debbie. So around this time, Blondie are, are you know, they, it seems like they have like these four years where it's just album, tour, album, tour. And they are so mm. famous. And she is just like the most famous woman in the world. Yeah. Debbie says that at the time, she said there's so much pressure on Chris because the, because of the way Blondie was, it was very much a democracy. So even if you're like the drummer... It, it was a lot of clashing egos and everybody's voice was as important as the other. So it meant they were just rowing constantly. And she said that Chris very much felt like he had to protect her as well and sort of survive mm. in yeah. a band with a lot of egos. Was it well known at the time that they were, were they known as a big couple at the time? No, it's funny, you know, having been a teenager and adoring them, it never occurred to me that Debbie Harry was with one of the people in the yeah band. i feel like they didn't make a big deal out of it obviously yeah. she was huge but i feel like she just always seemed and also this is before paparazzi etc etc and even if there was paparazzi they wouldn't have been you know covering that scene in new york anyways but yeah i feel like they kept it sort of private so that must have been another element of kind of mm. almost having to hide their and also the other people in the band were jealous they were of jealous of the attention they you know we're musicians proper musicians yeah you know who's she kind of thing and it wasn't yeah, her fault you know she one she was the lead singer so people in bands are always jealous of lead singers and then two everybody wants her photograph but i, I mean weirdly now i think about it it's not even to do with her being a woman that is just what happens the lead singer and you know saying like Mick Jagger well who's he you know well he's the lead singer and people do think it's his band and everyone's furious you know (laughs) yeah yeah so I think really hard if that as your boyfriend's in that as well but thank god he didn't have an ego thank god that he wasn't going well I want to be as important as Debbie he didn't it must have been really hard for Chris to try and be in between the arguments as well because they've oh now you're going to defend your girlfriend you can imagine that being thrown out a lot and everything and him having to kind of deliberately be a bit harder on her so that the other guys wouldn't think that and then have to fight about that later on you know I can imagine a lot of arguments back at the apartment between Chris and Debbie of her being like stand up for me a bit more him like I can't the guys yeah (laughs) and some of them I think Jimmy Destry, who uh, um, who is very pretty, and I'm sorry that he was like that, but she's quite a bit older, so she felt sort of maternal, and they're being, you know, spoiled young men wanting everything and very testosterone yeah, yeah. around her, where she was like, well, I'll just, you know, they're young, they're not developed yet, <laughs> and having to deal with that, and and then sometimes him being quite insulting and rude just by being dismissive of her. 
Yeah, being the only girl in a band of 20-something boys, is, yeah, no matter how you cut, even if you're like 14, you're still the mom it's in charge. It's a dressing room. 20-something kind of boys in a band are just, oh my God, Jesus. Um, what I didn't realise until I was doing the research is that when she was like at the height of, like when she was like the sexiest woman in the mm. world, uh-huh. she was like in her mid to late 30s. Yeah, she was, yeah. Because she didn't sort of start the second wave because she'd already had the wave, like you're talking about in the 60s when she'd been in that pussy willow willow something. The wind and the willows. Pussy willow, (laughs) wind and the willows. Um, Her first band. band. You know, so she'd done that. She'd already, you know, had drugs and loads of sex and everything. And like you say, and then, and I never occurred to me at the time that she wasn't roughly my age when Mm. I was like 13 or 14. Uh, but that is, it does make a difference because I think also she worked, she worked really hard, you know, all that busy time. She wasn't going crazy and getting drunk and taking drugs. She yeah, was I was just going to say, you don't, yeah. you don't hear much about Debbie Hare having been a big druggie or anything. She was just kind of a bit Not over it at that Well, yeah. yeah, we'll get to yeah. that. Mm. So around this time, Chris was asked, what is it like to live with the sex symbol of the 70s? He was asked oh this God. in an interview and mm. he replied, I couldn't be happier. As an ego boost to a man, it's fantastic. Oh, what a great Oh, reply. that's good. I'm so glad he didn't... I was worried that he would be one of those guys that kind of negs the girl who's really hot. Mm. You know, he's the kind of geeky guy who's got the hot girl, so he kind of ribs her about it all the time. It's a bit like, okay. Yeah. I like that he's just like, no, she is really hot, and I'm fully aware of that. I think it's wonderful. That's so... I love that. Best answer. Yes, it's yeah. actually it's actually very rare that hot women get told they're hot by anyone because everyone thinks, oh, they're told that all the time. They're not. They're very rarely told that. If you see someone pretty, tell them. But so Debbie was like, at the time, she was getting a bit frustrated that people only ever talked about how she looked. So when the interview, she was really annoyed that the interviewer said that to Chris and she complained to Joan Jett about it. And she then... Did. When Joan was introduced to the journalist by Chris, Joan went in front of the cameras and said, fuck you, and flipped her off with both hands. (laughs) Yeah. Joan is so cool. Joan, like, should not be cool. She should be embarrassing, but she's not. She's actually really so fucking cool. I just love her. Yeah. She's so rad. And her and Debbie are, like, it seems like they're really good friends. Oh, my God. What a pairing. Yeah. Oh, See, going Jeez. on a night out with those two. Oh, oh I don't, you'd, I don't you'd know leave if I'm that, woman enough for it. You I mean, would. They oh. would just, you'd leave with like so much more self confidence than when you arrived. Yeah. <laughs> and your hair would look incredible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it would look amazing. Don't you'd learn all the tricks. Both of them, they have just secrets to looking cool but fantastically beautiful at the same time. Well, I saw an interview with Debbie. She was on the Breakfast News like two years ago. So really recently. And they brought up, oh, your iconic hair you had in the 70s where it was like brown in the back and blonde in the front. I always thought that was really cool. And she said, I only did that because I dyed it myself in like a tiny little bathroom sink and I couldn't see the back. So I just kind of did what I did at the front and left it. So this is kind of a mistake. But it's like only she could have this mistake look fucking (laughs) incredible and girls across the world trying to copy it. It's so cool. So this is what Chris said at the time. It didn't bother me that Debbie got all the attention. I just wanted to be in a band. Fame wasn't something I aspired to especially. When we go out travelling and all the autograph people came up to us in the airport, I always dunked away. I still feel protective about Debbie, but she gets the brunt of it. Yeah. Yeah. So they they did loads of creative things together. They had their own cable access show together for a while. Nice work, nice work. I miss that stuff. 
but then so they're at the top of the world but they Cracks are beginning cracks to show. Are f- how far into it, the relationship are we now? So now it's 90... We're heading towards 1983, which is going to be oh, a big so yeah. year. So it's been like nine years are together now. Yeah. And okay. things are going really well, but there's a pressure, pressure. And they're the biggest band in the world. Mm. Um, then they release the album The Hunter, and it's not as successful as previous records, which considering like how incredible like platinum selling the other albums were, it was bound to happen eventually. The band are not getting on. And then Chris's health is really bad. He's just, nobody really knows what's wrong with him. He's just got no energy. He's not himself. They go on tour. They have to quit early because Chris just isn't well enough. Then the band just cannot stand each other. Blondie finally splits. And then 1983, Chris is getting really, really ill. Everybody's really scared that he might have AIDS. Finally, she takes him to a hospital and it turns out he's got an extremely rare autoimmune disease which kills 90% of the people that get it. Debbie panics. He's in the hospital for three months. Three do, do, months? Oh okay, let's see if you two can guess. What is hmm? the really romantic thing that she <gasps> sneaks into hospital for him? Heroin. Heroin. <laughs> so romantic. So, That's so lovely. Sweet. Yeah. And I love the way she says it. And, and, you know, because he's having the most terrible time. It would make and also, you feel better. She, she says, and I was also taking heroin because it was a really terrible time. <laughs> terrible time. So if you can numb anything. So, and this is what John Waters says about this period. Yeah. He said, while Debbie was looking after Chris, Madonna snuck in and stole her career. That is a great line. That's so John Waters. Yes, isn't it? Because, yeah, I mean, Debbie's all heart and Madonna has no heart. So, yeah. She's no Debbie Harry. And And also they're always, when, when they're hanging out, like you said, they have the cable show. They're always looking for whatever is the alternative, whatever is interesting and down and dirty and what's new and what's happening. And they're not going, oh, marvellous. Now we're going to be famous and go off into this, you know, boring world of rich, famous people. They were never like that. Yeah. So Chris gets out of hospital, but he's on really uh, heavy steroids, which causes him to gain weight and mood swings. And Debbie says it took him two to three years to recover. That he was so wow. ill. And so this came with, so they'd lost the record contract. Their band had split. He was, you know, basically an invalid. So Debbie said at this time, it felt like very much their roles were reversed. And she was the one mm. protecting and looking after him. And then that's not even, the worst is not yet over. Oh, because God. it turns out <laughs> their accountants haven't been paying their tax bills. Oh, yeah, accountants will do that. So they have to, because for some reason, if you're a punk kid, that doesn't always match with being on top of your accounts. They have to declare bankruptcy and they lose their house. God, these, they may have been matched in the stars, but they sure didn't have the luck of the stars on their side. My goodness. It's classic music business. One thing after another. And they even, and I don't know why I thought this was the saddest thing, they they took the house, they took her car, they took her coats. That's that's not I mean, cool, to take guys. Take girls' coats away. That's, so that's, that's when you go, wow, this is really, really desperate. So that's a step too far. That's personal. Yeah, leave the bloody coats. And have been so famous, and they've taken everything from them. Oh my everything. goodness! So, and again, this is in her memoir. It's kind of this bit. She's kind of vague around what's happening. Mm. So, well, she was on heroin, so I think she. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> forgot the line. <laughs> 
She fired Blair because she said she never took drugs while she was working, mm-hmm. but when she wasn't working, mm. she took drugs. So I, I'm not quite sure. The 80s, I think, I'm just going to say, were like probably a, a messy bit time. Of a, bit mm-hmm. of a blur, yeah. And then sadly, on the very same day, she found out that Andy Warhol had died in 1987, her and Chris split up. Oh, goodness. That's such a, so it's a 15, is it 15 years? 14, uh, 14 years. 14, 14 years. years. Oh, my God. Jeez Louise. Well, she never put a ring on it, so what does he expect? <laughs> That's what her mom back in Jersey is saying. Yeah. But I also think it's like her ultimate fear of abandonment thing that she has. So mm. so they split up. And like you say, Gronia, I can't find much about that. It's just they both say nice things about each other and it's vague. Oh, really? But he does continue to use drugs for quite a while before he get meets the sensible wife. Yeah, Yikes. whereas I think she doesn't. But then Andy Warhol to die, who was also, that was he was in her life since she moved to New York. She was uh-huh. in that scene before she was in Blondie and all of that. So yeah. I think that was like, you know, he'd be a big mentor, big present. And then she's gone. She probably went, oh, damn, maybe I shouldn't have finished with Chris because now I've got nobody. And this is all my fear of abandonment shit. Yeah. But- and also it must have been just quite a lot, like 87, everything's changing. Then, you know, the scene, the music scene's yeah, gone. Yeah, now you have, yeah. you know, Guns N' Roses is the biggest band in the world coming up to be at least. You know what I mean? It's all just completely different. All her friends are, you know, Basquiat's dead, Warhol's dead. All her friends yeah. are dying. Lou Reed's moved on. You know, everyone's, it's all kind of... And now she's just stuck on her own with her. Oh, God, this is a rough time for Debbie. She's like in her 40s, you know. Yeah, she's in her 40s. She's been a bit 40s. abandoned yeah. by the industry, abandoned by her, her fans, have gone on to Madonna. Yeah. So why, Joe, why do you think, why do you think they split up? Why couldn't they last? You know, they had 99% star sign compatibility. Exactly. Maybe they didn't know that <laughs> if they had known that. But I really do think it was that. I mean, it's amazing that they have a relationship at all and also that you know because that bands when you're reading about bands you know it's so intense isn't it that mm. you know when it's touring and then when you you're exhausted and everybody's on chemicals to, you know on this treadmill and then when you come out of that and you go and we don't even have a house or money yes. or, or coats anymore <laughs> Not even you know coats. too much and then him to be ill. So she's going, obviously, she's going, well, he's the love of my life. I'm going to stay with him and nurse him. And he's helped me become the person I wanted to be. So I'm going to help him. Now he's better, but he's not really because there's still a lot of drugs. If we stay together, we're going to harm each other and not get out of this. I think it's one of those where you go, I've got to go to save myself. And it might save him as well. And disappointment is hard to look someone in the eye and go, oh, we don't have a house. We were idiots. Mm. We let we got taken and we've got to live with that. And maybe we can't look at each other for a while. But at the same time, she should say that uh, they still saw each other every day. (laughs) But but just without knowing we're not. not, Although, again, she's still relying on each other, still knowing that that person's there for you. But just I think in order to move on with your own life a little bit i've got to i think is maybe in order to grow we have to separate it is i think so well so they broke up he just basically moves down the road so they're they're (laughs) still living they're still living around the corner from each other (laughs) they still they still get on (laughs) they still get on then so she has a few 
sort of like uh, romantic escapades that I think are worthy of of noting. Mm. Um, she dates Penn from Penn and Teller for a little while. And while they were together, she was complaining that the jets in his jacuzzi didn't hit the right spot for female pleasure. So Penn took note of her suggestions, got a designer to change the design and patented the orgasmatron tub. Thanks to amazing. (laughs) I I hope you give her some royalties. Wow. That's better than seeing a jacket in Zara and going, you might like that. I mean, to change your jets of your jacuzzi. Well, let's get some scientists and engineers on this. Wow. Let's sort this this out. I'm giving Debbie Harriet an orgasm in a towel, whether this towel was made for it or not. I mean, you know, I I couldn't see the attraction. And then you go, oh, this man's really thorough. Yeah, he literally <laughs> is a magician and he's detail very thorough. oriented. Yes, and you go, you know, you've got me with the detail. Yeah, and then also I love this story. In 1989, she had a hit single with "I Want That Man," which was written about her feelings for the actor Harry Dean Staunton, who she had developed a crush on. Oh, I get I that. that. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I get yeah. that. I can see so that. So she. W- was very happy for Harry Dean Staunton to know that it was written about him. And then she went to like a, this event that he was singing at and she went up to him and he was like, oh, did you write that song about me? And she said, yes. And then according to somebody who was there at the time, the two of them just vanished. Oh, oh my goodness. That's a wild weekend I'd like to hear yeah. about. What an escapade. Harry and Debbie <laughs> Harry. Uh, so Stein... He got clean. He married Barbara Skiroranza. I feel like you're like deliberately not saying her name (laughs) because she's the boring girl that Joe mentioned. Barbara, whatever her name is, who cares? I mean, she's an actress and she was... She was in the kind of scene in New York. So she's not, you know, she's not that boring. But compared to Debbie. Yeah, I mean. You know, I mean, who amongst us? And she was wearing a fleece, I think, in that documentary where I saw her Ooh, as well. Yikes. There's never an excuse, guys. I know it's cold, but come on, no. keep up the standards. Do you think Debbie Harry has ever worn a fleece? Never. No, no, no. <laughs> so, and this is, I think, was the big sort of like change in the relationship because after 9-11... Debbie was even more like, I love New York. I love this city. I love Manhattan. This is my home. Whereas he... Chris uh, wanted to get out. Chris responded by moving upstate. Was Debbie single? Just, there was no, aside from the little frolic with Harry Dean Stanton and the gents, there was nothing else on the scene for her? I mean, I would, I don't think Debbie has ever not had somebody on the scene. Mm. Interesting. Okay, she's okay. She knows, she knows there's someone tending to her needs, shall we say? She's definitely she them to yeah. be tended to. Yeah, I think so. I don't yeah. think she's like signing up to Tinder anytime soon. I think she's okay. <laughs> okay, she's not like gone. You know, I don't know eHarmony, mm. uh, but she is godmother <laughs> to their two daughters, Akira and Valentine, and then. Blondie, of course, reunited mm-hmm. in the 90s and her and, and Chris, they are, you know, very close friends. And this is what he said about her in a recent interview. Debbie and I will never get away from it. We must have known each other in a previous life. And Debbie responded, we actually explored that once with a spiritualist, so I wouldn't rule it out. Oh, my God. Just imagine being Barbara hearing. I mean, Joe, yeah. you're you're betrothed. How would you like it if your husband said that about another woman who happened to be his ex of 14 years? Yeah, that's where you have to go. I really have to be mature about this. 
That is a, a bigger person because our relationship is different. That that's a tough pill to yeah. swallow. That is a tough pill and to swallow. And the other thing I thought was, because I suppose this is a very female way of looking at it, her kind of breeding years were also those blondie years. Yeah, so very good in point. In a way, yes. I think what Chris has done is very lovely. Uh, he's gone, well, you didn't get that, so you can be, but I can because I'm a man, so yeah. I can have them whenever. So I'm going to let you be part of that so that you that don't miss out. That is very true. The sadness of those cheekbones yeah. not being passed on. Oh, yes. That sadness lives with, lives with us all. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's heartbreaking. Yeah, the sensible wife, children. Yeah. <laughs> the sensible poor Barbara. <laughs> Barbara could be like the most interesting person at a party. And we'd be like, yeah, but you're not Debbie, you're bitch. Not Debbie. So sorry. Your name's Barbara. Like, well done. You are yeah. a fleece. <laughs> And she's it's obviously like, you know, they're like that best friend as well, where, you know, you, you're always just going to have a laugh and connect whatever. You're never bored in each other's company. That's oh, that yeah. thing that they've got, which is, you know, that's rare. So how old is kind of question is Barbara younger or older yeah, or younger. age appropriate? A younger than him, but not not, not like crazy inappropriate. Though. I was wondering if there's a chance that Barbara kicks the bucket first and then there's a reunion between oh. Chris and Debbie. <laughs> well, on that upbeat note, um, <laughs> we come to sort of the pivotal question of this podcast. Mm. You know, obviously life is very... It's, we, we exist in a realm of grey, you know. Everything's on a spectrum except breakups. We know... <laughs> In every split, there is a winner and a loser. One you're worried about, one you're happy for. So in the great split between Debbie and Chris, who do you think thrived and who simply survived? Who won the split? Well, obviously, Chantel didn't know his name. <laughs> so I mean, in it was that foreshadowing. Way, I mean, I do feel with this one, because it's an amicable and very loving relationship always that in a way so debbie thrives and he helped her start thriving and then she went oh. on and thrived and okay. has as and ha has wonderfully carried on her career as she's got older and done mm -hmm. lots of interesting things don't really know what he's done uh but i think he's done bits and bobs and he's happy he does seem but happy you also you lose if you lose debbie harry don't you yeah. so you know, I think he's he's here, he's having a nice time, people respect him and everything, yeah. and he's got the sensible wife and the children and that, but not got the amazing Debbie Harry, so your life can never have that Debbie Harry sprinkle dust. So he loses yeah. in both ways, and Debbie wins twice, really. Yeah. She did better, and she gets to be with Debbie Harry every day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and crucially, still great hair. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. she is the winner. Do you have a different uh, uh, answer, Grania? Are you, you going to no, try and fight of course. Chris? How can you not? Like... <laughs> My Actually, guys, I think you'll find he's more respected in the industry. <laughs> no, it's Debbie. No. <laughs> Debbie and you, no. he will always be going, oh, yeah, you were the bloke in the band that she was with. Oh, we didn't really know yeah. you were together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knew. You were the guy that let Debbie Harry out of your fingers. Oh, yeah. cool, man. <laughs> Oh, what an amazing couple. Thank you so much. Incredible. We still have one more question. One more question. Very life-affirming couple, aren't they? Yeah, because they are of all very the, the nursing couple. and the smuggling heroin and the being still being great friends. <laughs> it's just, oh, I think they're great. I think they're great. I love them. And they both age. I just, I just love them. 
Anyways, we have one final non-Blondie related question for you, Joe. Right. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. We ask all our guests this. And mm-hmm. the, the patron saint of the podcast is unbelievably still legally single. And we would like someone of her standard to love her. We don't believe she needs someone, simply that she no. deserves to be loved. Yeah. So put your thinking cap on. And can you think of someone to match up to the one, the only, Cher? Well, as a fan of the pod, obviously I've listened to other people's suggestions and gone, no, how dare you put that imbecile with Cher. Um, because the shade. Yeah, Cher can obviously, you know, if she wants a bit of young cock, she can get it. But what I want is for her to have somebody to spend interesting time with. Mm. I want her to have a laugh. So okay. I've got two suggestions that are quite different to each other. Ooh, One, okay. because he is good looking, but I always think he doesn't take himself seriously, but also would be doing films. So he'd be away a lot because Cher doesn't want someone all the time. That would be irritating. Doesn't want cling. No, she's got a big life going on. Ryan Reynolds. Oh, nice one. Yes. He can, can handle. handle it. Yeah, he's he not gonna share. He's not gonna be going, oh share, share. He's just like, yeah, and I'm gonna go off and do a film and then I'll come back and be yeah. fabulous totally. with you, Cher. Oh, that's a really good I like that a lot. He'd and be then, in Las Vegas, he'd be like, I'll to go to Wrexham for the weekend, and she'd be like, Oh, yeah. you're crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Why is I'm not going to Wrexham, she'd be saying. Yeah. <laughs> and he'd be going, oh, that's you go fine. on your own, Ryan. I'm staying right here. Yeah. <laughs> she'd just say that. Yeah. <laughs> Who, who, what's the other one? And the other one. So far, you're doing incredibly well. Yeah. Again, this is because I don't think Cher needs somebody all the time. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think she would like somebody that's fun, but fun. also maybe challenges her. What she doesn't want is someone who can't cope with Cher totally. or is too intimidated by Cher. She wants someone mm. who's confident, who's got their own shit. You know, so I think trade union leader Mick Lynch. Oh, oh we are big Lynch, yeah. Mick Lynch fans here. I love oh my this. god, because he's got a nice sense of humour. Yeah, he's attractive. Indeed. Yeah, uh, but he would not politically. Be, they're aligned. Whatever you want to yeah. do, share. It's not for me. I won't go to this party. Or I, I can't. Go. I'm on strike, anyways. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's busy. <laughs> I'm on a picket line again, Cher. I told you about this. <laughs> but I think she would find him curious and interesting. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, and he's got amazing. those eyes. Those eyes. Great Mixed eyes. eyes. Yeah. Oh. Fabulous lashes. The, the options, they are the opposite ends of the spectrum. You would never think to have Ryan Reynolds and Mick Lynch as your options. <laughs> but what great options. I'd be Someone happy with either. For, I'm saying yeah. throuple yeah. of my dreams. Yeah. I'm spoiled oh. for choice. Well, we all want her to be happy, don't we? Yeah. Don't we yeah. all? Yeah. That's all I want for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Slash the new year, depending yeah. when this episode is coming out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for thank joining us so today, much. Joe. Thank you. And thank you also for doing all the hard work as well. I was a bit like, oh, I don't That's think I'm going to remember you. all my facts oh, and things. Oh, pleasure. I didn't have to. That was great. Joe, where can our listeners find you? Um, well, I'm around and about. Um, I'm also, I am on Twitter while it's still going. At the Joe. time of going to press. Yeah. I'm also on Instagram and TikTok just as my name. 
Um, if you want to go very far in advance, I will be touring, but not till autumn 2023, um, Ooh, nice. when I have a book coming out called oh. You Wore It First. So just have in the back of your mind at some point next year, oh, did that Joe Caulfield have a book? I'll go and see if I can find it. Yeah. If you get the chance to see Joe Caulfield live, you're in for a treat. She is one of the mm. best comedians in the country. So There's a reason we were honoured to have her on today. This is, it's been a lot. So don't Thank be a you. fool. Buy tickets for her show. Buy your friends tickets for her show. Buy your family tickets for her show. And then when her book comes out, buy the book as well. <laughs> Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. The Way They Were is an Amanda Redman production produced by Abby Weaver and Amanda Redman. We want to hear your celebrity couple crush, so email us on thewaytheywerepod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at thewaytheywerepod and we're on Instagram at thewaytheywerepodcast. Thanks to you for listening. Until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye. The, the way, way they were. were.